0: I'm Kurt and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 203. Lady Luck was smiling down on me. This week we're discussing season 4, episode 3 of Angel, The House Always Wins, and season 4, episode 3 of Battlestar Galactica, He that believeth in me.
1: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, starting with Angel.
2: So, um,
0: well, wait—we got to—we got to note the little look you just gave while we were reading. So I we, noticed we a just, problem. <laughs> we just noticed, yeah, that um, this is both uh, season four, episode three. Of our respective shows. But it's not. This is but it's prom. not. <laughs> that's what we said. This
1: is my shaking of my head. I went, oh, they match. And then I went, no, they don't. That's a typo. <laughs>
0: um, but so is I, it.
1: I was trying to decide. It, oh, that's right.
0: It's not because oh, yeah. of laser. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm so confused. You're right. So, because it. So this is the thing, though, right? Because, like, I actually happen to be on a different site. Uh, earlier this week and like I was looking stuff up and just ha- like um, happened to you know look up the BSG stuff not in preparation for the podcast or anything just because it was like I was trying to think of something and that was a convenient thing to look up but on that site like they listed this episode as episode one and it was just like Razor was just like a special like a TV you know movie right. special thing so it is funny, because, like, there doesn't seem to be, like, a standard... A consensus. Consensus among, yeah, like, yeah. everyone how how to properly attribute right. this episode.
1: Right. Well, and I or, was kind or, of... Or, I or was rather, kind of, how to
0: properly attribute Razor, I guess, would be more accurate.
1: Well, and I was kind of following the production codes when you look them up, you know, of, like,
0: mm-hmm. you know...
1: Kind of, I imagine those reflect internal records of some kind. But clearly, I don't think of this as episode three because I completely just forgot and like shook my head at you while you were speaking as if to say, like, that's wrong. We should redo it. And right. then I like literally forgot that this is technically episode three. So, I mean, in my mind, this is a season premiere. You right. know, like in just and I, in terms of how I think of it,
0: so it it doesn't and they totally play it that way, I mean because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you think about it, like the end of season three for um Battlestar Galactica is totally a cliffhanger of Starbuck coming back, and like
2: yeah
0: I'm, and this and I mean this ends on a cliffhanger too, but like, but like yeah, I mean, it totally is played as though it's like coming right off the end of the last season and not even acknowledging the whole razor stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with the plot here anyway, other than kind of how we talked about, like, they threw in some artificial, like, (laughs) that, that word we love contrived, like, Mm -hmm. you know, message or, or connection or whatever that they kind of threw in there to be like, okay, we got to think of something to like tie this into the season. But right. I, I agree with you, like this really is the season premiere and you know so so what, we followed a different convention and just kind of fortuitously happened to have these two <laughs> episodes kind of go together. But yeah, like I agree with you, like thematically, like it, it makes more sense as the first episode of the season rather than right. the third.
1: Well, it's either Divine intervention or Lady Luck, you know, whatever we <laughs> right. want
0: right. to <laughs> attribute this. Um, lady yeah, Luck, because you, you're the one who numbered it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I did that on purpose at the time, but like I said, I've completely forgotten since then, and even completely forgotten since last week when we talked about Razor. Um, so, yeah. Um,
0: Razor's forgettable, though. Sure.
1: Well, and all right, we're going to talk about, we're not going to start there, so I'll resist the temptation to launch into, you know, more Razor, you know, Battlestar talk. Um, Sure.
0: So... Oh, right. We're starting with Angel, right? We are starting with Angel. (laughs) We should probably talk about Angel. I know. At some some point in this podcast. (laughs) I guess that's important. Um, Okay.
1: Angel. Yes. So... Um, yeah, yeah, it's a Lauren episode. It which is. I don't think we've had like a Lauren episode before where he's kind of been the central.
0: I mean,
1: I mean, he's been important in episodes, but I don't know that we've had like a Lauren sort of.
0: Sure. There's like trick. I mean, I would agree with that. I like the closest I think we've come would be like the Pylea arc. The
1: Pylea stuff. Right. Right. Um. Right.
0: But even that it's more like he's like the guide for the others, So it's not even like it's about him per se. It's just that he's from there, so he kind of knows mm-hmm. where to take them and what to do and
1: mm-hmm. that
0: kind of stuff. Sure.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, so... And, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, given... Like, you've been complaining, maybe. Maybe is <laughs> not the right word. N- noticing with contempt that... <laughs> Uh Lauren hasn't been in this season much. So like do you sure. see that like I mean I may have did I did I tell you that Lauren was coming? I think you episode? said that
1: we would see him. I don't think I knew like you right. didn't but like didn't specify like... yeah or that or if he would be like returning with them back to like the main part of the story or whether you know it it sure. would just be for like an episode or something. So
2: right um, right
0: so, like, I mean, yeah, they kind of make it feel like at the end of season three and then in the beginning of this season that, like, he's going off. So, I, I mean, it's a surprise. But it's a nice surprise, right? This is not the typical Whedon surprise of, like, we're going to kill someone off. It's, <laughs> it's we're surprise. bringing someone back who we thought yeah. maybe wasn't coming back. But then there's, like, the double twist
2: mm-hmm. of
0: the ending, which we'll get to. But, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's actually, like, bringing two characters back sure
1: yeah no that's Um, a good point
0: so anyway um yeah so i guess like the whole like whedon's subverting himself in a way or or the writers of this episode are subverting whedon right right (laughs) In in that the surprise is a nice nicer surprise than you might otherwise expect
1: Yeah, and that there are two of the like you said, two of them in the same episode. Like, two actual recoveries of important characters, you know, right one, bam, after the other. Um, Which I guess is appropriate in this story that's sort of about Angel um, pining after his... I mean, specifically more about Cordy and Connor, but I think larger than that is more about the family that's broken up. I mean, and we saw that with the first opening scene of the season was his sort of dream of the dinner table with everybody there. And, like, yeah, Cordy and Connor are really the most important people to him, obviously, for understandable reasons. But, like, yeah, Lauren was at the table and Wesley was at the table. So I think the idea is also that he's lamenting all of the people who aren't there, not just Cordy and Connor specifically.
0: Yeah. But, right.
2: and I So mean, this is Connor's... beginning
1: a process of bringing people back. I mean, Connor's still out there. Wesley's still out there. We're not there yet. And the Cordy right. thing looks like it could be, you know, it's not necessarily going to be perfect and resolved right away.
0: But it's sure. at least... Right, this there's is, complications. <laughs> yeah,
1: but this is at least like... Okay, Lauren is the first one, hopefully, of a series of uh, reconciliations and reintegrations back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's the beginning of a trend. But then, of course, are those things setting you up for more typical weed and twists later on? Of you, You're sure. expecting... Something that isn't necessarily going to happen the way that you hope that it will
2: um, I mean so.
0: there is always that possibility,
1: yeah right? um so yeah i mean i i'm I don't mind that like you know Lauren was off for a few episodes and and kind of uh, the fun of wondering and worrying about oh. When is he going to come back? Is he going to come back and everything? My main thing, which I'm glad to be sort of proven right on, was that he wasn't really as dismissive as they as he was making himself out to be. Um, right. Which I think I don't think I went too far out on the limb to say that doesn't feel like Lorne. Something must be sure. wrong. And sure enough, Fluffy was a code. You know, a clue for the wary listener, which I was like totally dialed in on it because I was right. like waiting for the thing that was like, "All right, why aren't you paying attention? There must be, yeah. there must be some message hidden in this." Um, and sure well, and enough, especially because
0: they so. like they make from, a point of it, yeah. Right from a from a writing perspective, like if you're, you know. Looking at it from sort of the metatextual level, like it's like yeah, oh they they had the character specifically like kind of dwell on the weirdness of the fluffy thing, so it's like right, dwell on it, but then like... not
1: actually resolve it. Right, so, should yeah.
0: we be figuring out what fluffy is and
1: no, why and it's... it's it it's not the most subtle clue, and I'm not you know I'm I was proud of myself that I noticed it, but like. It was so. made pretty, you know. It I don't know that it was clear, but it was very clearly notified in the in the episode as like, "Hey, this is important. Pay attention to this." <laughs> right. um, so that was my kind of main investment in in the character is is I want him to be one of their, I want him to live up to that friendship and be one of their allies and not just be off, you know, uh, kind of living this. Sort of
0: glamorous glamorous,
1: whatever, vain yeah. existence as Gunn kind of accuses him, um sure and so, yeah, kind of good to be vindicated, No, I think those yeah, things. I mean, I
0: think we've seen enough of Lauren that yeah. we like we like him and and think he's sincere, and that's not to say that like he won't never stumble or no. you know, have problems, but like, yeah, you don't want to think bad about
2: Lauren. no,
1: he's invested in the 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 destinies and the readings of, you know, what's not even, even, not even just on a kind of showing people their path level anymore, but I think more personally now too, like the connection with angels specifically. And those friends is more, it means more to him on a personal level, even beyond the fact that he seems to care about people's destinies who he doesn't even know. So, um, Sure. That doesn't seem like a stretch to think that even if he leaves, is he's not going to suddenly abandon the mission entirely.
0: And there's elements in there even of like, you know, not that this is necessarily true and it's, you know, it's a stereotype or whatever, but like, of like, you know, does the headline, how much does a headliner care about like the backup dancers? Right. But like, this is the thing that keeps Lauren in check is the possibility of one of them getting hurt and mm-hmm. and you know and and you get the euphemism of a pink slip, but then you learn later it was like, yeah, it wasn't like she got fired you know she had her brains blown out because Lauren tried to refuse like right so so there's you know that aspect of of empathy and which you know which is his thing, right he can see into the lives and feelings and whatever of other people so that's that's what we see you know the anagogic demon aspect is is that you know seeing other people and caring about them and their path and whatever right right you
2: know um yeah
1: right and not even um putting up with it just to kind of make sure that nobody gets hurt and agreeing to do sort of a uh Lesser evil in the service of a greater good, but also the fluffy and the clues he's leading aren't just for him, but for presumably the whole situation. Is it's not just, right. hey, friends, come rescue me. It's also like his friends are the way to stop this from happening, right? You know, to all the because presumably Lee DeMarco could go get somebody else to run this scam for him or find some other way of keeping it going. So, um, even his wanting to get rescued isn't purely self-interested but is you know more interested in the fates of the victims right. as well
0: well that's what they do right they help the helpless like that's their right. their thing and and when yeah people's destinies are being taken they're being sort of made helpless right like i mean that's 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 the very bludgeon-y sort of metaphor this week right is the helplessness of people who've lost their destinies to kind of mm-hmm. get out of their funk or or whatever you want to call it that you know of pulling the slot machine arm kind
2: of mm-hmm. thing.
1: yeah, so why don't we kind of talk about the that setting and the premise and the metaphor of the week um as kind of a a thing um because you mentioned it's not necessarily a fan favorite, um, and
0: yeah, or yeah, or critic mean, favorite either. Sure, shows. right.
1: So yeah. yeah, I mean, some. I'm curious if there are specific reasons other than just it's I think maybe just, not the, like maybe the not not the most subtle uh, metaphor. I think that's ever. mostly
0: it. Like I, I don't. I think it's seen as kind of a throwaway episode. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think generally Lauren as a character is a fan favorite. Sure. And so maybe there's this is me projecting or guessing yeah. like so I don't I don't necessarily know. You know, I haven't seen a lot on it, but like my guess would be that like maybe some people think Lauren deserves a better episode to some degree. Sure. Um, whereas others just kind of feel like maybe why even have Lauren have gone away? Like, if you're just going to spend an episode bringing him back and stuff. So, and then maybe there's a little bit of a filler aspect to it. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't yeah. think it's a terrible episode. Like, it, it's fine as far as it is. Um,
1: yeah, and I mean, now that you kind of bring up um, like, does it serve Lauren's character? Like, I guess there is an element missing of it It is about, I guess it's kind of about Lauren in that like he's the central figure in it, but I'm not sure it's really, I'm not sure he really changes much. Like, there's sure. not a big sense, other than um, going, finding himself in a dangerous situation and then realizing that was something you need to get out of, um... I guess there could be more emphasis on to why did he leave and why would he come back? Right. Like as a character decision. Um like right. we like don't we get just into kind of find
0: out, you know, at the end of season three that he's leaving. And there's right. no real like discussion about why that is, what he did, like
1: Right. And like, okay, so he left kind of because of Connor, and that being um an awkward situation. And so, I mean, Connor's not living at the hotel right now. So that could be part of his decision, but there's, there is no discussion of that to see, does he still feel the same way about that? Is that something he's still concerned about? Um, You know, I guess there could be for it to be a really good character centric episode. I guess there may there, there's room for more emphasis on his character and his choices other Mm -hmm. than being the kind of plot device because it does end up being more about the metaphor as it applies to angel, that right so he the metaphor of angels lost destiny in the sense of he doesn't know what his purpose is, and he's kind of just floundering and not really wanting sure. to serve the mission and the larger purpose and kind of dragging his feet with that that kind of gets wrapped into the metaphor of people who lose their futures at the slot machines who have a bright future as an international chef or whatever, and then just throw it all away in blackjack and quarters in the slot machines. Right. Um sure. So those two things I think become more like, it becomes more about that angels regaining of his destiny and Lauren is like a symbol of that. Like Lauren becomes more in service of that story of like Lauren is, is almost a uh, representative of the person who gives Angel purpose. Yeah. And there's almost a sense of like, not literally, but almost he doesn't have one if Lauren's not there. It's like he has to come back into the fold of the group And with him comes this sense of purpose, Mm -hmm. um, at least on a kind of abstract, symbolic level, if not literally. So that's really more about Angel. It's not so much about Lauren's choices. And so I guess from that point of view, it does feel a little disposable of like, well, he left and came back as the plot dictated and less about um, his motivations for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'll be interested to see, like, as stuff develops with Connor, is that still a sticking point for Lorne? Um, or is that something that is dropped entirely? Like this, this tension between Connor and any of Angel's, like, demon allies.
0: Right. Um...
1: And, I mean, is it... I don't know. I guess like most shows or most, I don't know, a lot of shows I feel like do like a Vegas episode. So maybe that's kind of like a trope. So, Um, I mean, personally, they're very rarely my favorite just because I don't really like Vegas that much. So like, like, and look, I love, you know, I love Lauren and he's like kind of one of my favorites. And, um, and I love any actors who can also sing automatically vault to the top of my list Um, I like talented people, but, um, but like lounge acts, not the, not the most entertaining act. I have to say no disrespect to the people involved, but like, it's not like, you know,
0: no, it's the, it's not the favorite thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
1: like, it's the, it's a silly kind of. And that's kind of my thing of Vegas is it all just feels very kind of tacky and everything. Um, And I think that's just part of that is inherent in the place. And so that's part of why you do an episode there is to kind of exploit that. But, you know, it's not maybe it's because we've seen that setting and that kind of show and that kind of music and everything in so many movies and so many TV shows that it just feels very expected I guess
0: sure um um so i will so there's a few more production sides to this um one the episode was filmed in las vegas um on on location so um and actually like at the tropicana and stuff although um it's not like like, they, you know, they go into, like, the Glitter Gulch, you know, whatever. And it's, like, apparently actually, like, several miles away. Like, it's not actually, like, you don't, like, walk out the door and you're in that, like, covered, you know, strip mall mm-hmm. of lights and whatever. Um, so there's kind of, you know, they play around with it a bit. But um, so it was film on location. Andy Hallett, um, who plays Lauren... Um loved this episode because apparently he always had a dream of having a Vegas show, so this is kind of his sure. ability to sort of live that and feel that so
1: well, and like that's even, always that's always been lauren's genre, like as like the lounge sure. singer like this is just on a bigger scale, but this is this is Lauren writ large in terms of the kind right. of like thing that he does, yeah
0: and And I don't, like, I don't disagree with anything you said, but there is also that aspect of, like, like, maybe he had, maybe he sort of had some input into, hey, why don't you do a Vegas episode with me? And I can do it. And you get him singing three different songs. Um, Sure, yeah. Partly, I mean, just the snippet of uh, Viva Las Vegas at the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get two full songs pretty much mm-hmm. in the middle of the episode and and again while i agree with you like that the lounge shows are kind of kitschy and whatever like that's actually like my favorite part of the episode is him singing and sure you know whatever i think like i, I like and, and again i i agree that it's kitschy and whatever but it's like it's Lauren singing and it's you know him having fun with like the audience members and, um, you know that kind of stuff. Like, like the rest of the episode is just kind of like, meh. Like sure. you know, well, it, and like any time happens, and you know they get learn back. <laughs> like right, yeah, no, um, and
1: I don't, I don't, but, I think anytime there's like music, it's always going to be like a, a taste thing. There's no right. like,
2: I mean, for you like know, fifteen right or wrong.
0: For like 15 minutes of the episode, they're just kind of running around to different places and then just mm-hmm. all end up back in the hotel again. So it's not, it's not even like they do much, like plot-wise. Um, and yeah, then you get it's this true. Weird, so, all right, I'm going to bring this up now. I know we had it slated for later. Then you get this yeah, weird interlude with Wesley having phone sex with Lila. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. so this may, this may shed some light, too, on sort of the quality of the episode. Um, apparently uh-huh. that scene was written. So the episode itself was written by David Fury. Uh-huh. Um, that scene though was written by Josh Whedon because the episode was too short. They need. They literally needed filler to like fill in the gaps of of a filler episode. Like right. so. Right. A
1: a filler episode that already has, like you said, like 10 minutes of like musical interlude early on, like (laughs) which most episodes would never have time for. (laughs) Right. Right. Like and and normally you get a verse of whatever song Lauren sings because you don't have time. You have to like move
0: on to the next one. Yeah. Something like like something interrupts or like he stops and sees something and. You know, gives the destiny, right. you know, stuff or whatever. Like, yeah, like right, or like you're cutting in between different like, things or whatever reasons. But yeah, right. like this is like two full songs right. of you know whatever, um, and yet they still had to add a scene with Wesley having phone sex. So like, with, like there's no redeeming value. Like we already know that Wesley's working with another crew. We already know that him and Lila are, like, together. Right. And this doesn't, like, it doesn't really push anything much. Mm -hmm. You know, from sort of the Wesley as jaded badass and Lila as, you know, flirting with the enemy. And, like, the little tiny bit is that, like, Wesley agrees to take Angel. Like, we don't even know who he's talking to. But, like, he agrees to take Angel's clients while Angel's out of town. So he knows angels out of town, right? Like, but nothing comes up, right? Like, and there's know?
1: some like there's something with like a package, but like it's not even clear to me. Like, is that important or not? You know, like
0: yeah, um, right. Like maybe it is. Like, is like, this
1: like a thing that's going to come did up? Did you maybe,
0: need five minutes of phone sex to get to that? Right, right. Um, so anyway, like like all that to say, like maybe yeah, maybe there's a bit of a it's
1: thin yeah it's it's there's thinness all around like yeah um yeah when 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 the filler needs filler it's probably um not quite substantial enough um so yeah and I guess and maybe that's getting back to the kind of Vegas location, then the parts of it that are plot-driven or have, you know, activity or substance to them are kind of expected given the setting. It's like, you know, like a casino gambling metaphor. You've got a kind of mob-slash-black-market corruption involved. Um, You've got the kind of glitzy showman aspect to it. Um, Sure. You know, it's all the kind of stuff that you expect in a a Vegas story and everything. Um, So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm glad Andy Hallett had a good time. (laughs) Um, Sure. You know, and like, hey, like, it it is fun to see, like, just, this is, I've kind of concluded that in general, I mean, not every single one, but this is basically why I enjoy musicals is watching talented people be talented. Like, right. There's something just pleasurable about taking somebody. So there's a a line in, um, uh, Eric Idle's show spam a lot about, Uh um, people who can sing and dance often at the same time. Like this is like the appeal (laughs) of the theater. Like that's like literally what it is, is like, taking people who can act and sing and dance at the same time and like having them do it. And that like, that is the appeal of musical theater at its barest level. So I feel like there is something about, Hey, you have cast members who can do cool things, let them do it, you know? And, you know, in terms of analyzing on a podcast, there's not maybe the most to say about that episode, but as a thing to watch, Um, Mm -hmm. maybe having a talented person on stage does turn out to be just from a pure entertainment level, the most compelling part of it. And it's like, yeah, you have a character who is a lounge singer. Um, probably at least once in your run, you should let him do like a big proper show rather than just sing in the background every so often.
0: I mean... It is interesting that they I mean that they filmed it on location and that like that's not something that Angel or or Buffy
1: No and really that did. was like it's
0: all it's all studio for the most of the part but this was like this was like legit yeah. like
1: Yeah
0: you know a week in Vegas doing uh you yeah. know the show like like you would film a movie and and that was and, noticeable and, and, and as I one was one watching of it. And apparently one of crew members yeah. won, like, $10,000, like, you know, playing the slots while they were there. So, so yeah, I mean, like, yeah. there's, like, like, you can see how, like, them, like, as a crew and a cast and, like, everything, like, had a good time with the episode and whatever. And, like, yeah, like, maybe you're right. Like, like it's okay that, like, it it's it can just be a filler episode, but, like, you can still kind of just have fun with it and maybe not have a ton of critical insight into it but that doesn't make it bad per se it just makes it an episode you watch enjoy it for what it is and then move on (laughs) sure to a certain degree
2: right
1: right is critical depth the only requirement for like a good episode i mean for podcasting purposes probably it is but like in terms of when you're actually watching for the audience then no i think there's there's value in the spectacle um sure so and and definitely it looked good in terms of like i noticed the location the fact that Mm
2: -hmm. you can
1: tell they're in a real car driving through vegas through the strip you know it's it's a noticeably um different feel to it and you can sort of tell they're not just on like one stretch of street in LA somewhere pretending that it's Vegas or they're not in front of a green screen. Like it felt like real location in that way. Um, yeah. So yeah. And I think it's close to LA, which is why everybody goes there for their shows. It's like, right. <laughs> it's, like, it's right, right over there. We could do a Vegas episode. Um, but there's, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, anything else about like the premise and Lauren's story and um, I mean we kind of talked about like even though it's not so much about Lauren's character development at least it features that uh, empathic side of him of somebody who
2: Mm -hmm.
1: cares about people and uh, you know Gunn is kind of quick to accuse him of being a sellout but No, like, it's proved Lauren is the stand-up guy that we kind of thought that he was and everything. Um, So there's a kind of, like, hero moment for him there, I guess.
0: Um, So I'm not sure... um... No, um, one other little minor production note is um, in the uh, scene where Lauren is singing... um, david fury and one of the um like scripts uh whatever they call them uh script supervisors uh
2: -hmm. like
0: they were kind of in the crowd i guess you can see them if you're looking and know what they look like but anyway just a minor thing there
2: nothing nothing if you can
1: if you can remember the mustard stain guy you could probably fine, right like <laughs> david fury in there somewhere
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly um and there is a commentary on the dvd i didn't actually listen to it um but
1: i noticed that and i um, didn't listen to it either
0: yeah i mean i know you don't listen to them sometimes until you get the okay just in case there's spoilers because right. like the you know commentaries are recorded often a couple of years later
2: like right or, yeah or, no or, you know, yeah whatever.
0: like especially for this where like dvds weren't like necessarily that big for tv anyway Mm -hmm. um when like buffy first came out and so like a lot of them didn't come out for a few years after the Mm
2: -hmm.
0: season or whatever um
2: so yeah
1: so um in terms of like Going through like the plot points and maybe we covered a lot of it so we might <laughs> not uh spend too much too long on it um I mean so I, I guess let's talk more about like the angel side of things and kind of how Cordy plays into that um because there is some tension about angel's lack of purpose and destiny and it's really Fred who kind of is pushing him to get his destiny right again by Lorne. Um, Angel more just wants to go there for a retreat, is what he Mm. says, like just to kind of get away and have fun and take a break and see Lorne more just in a casual way. Um, And so it does kind of become about Angel's purpose, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, Cordy is, Still giving her little color commentary um, to the episodes, so she's a little more involved this time, like more than just. I feel like the first two episodes, it was literally just the one scene at the end of the episode.
2: Yeah. Um, and right. here
1: she actually talks throughout and even gets involved. Um, and yeah, and she's really just pissed off that nobody is noticing a problem with her being gone. (laughs) As usual, it's all about... Everybody's just... Right. Like, I'm I'm not quite sure why she thinks they should feel it's a problem because they did find out kind of where she went and... Right. From their point of view, it sounds like she made this grand sort of decision for her own destiny and they're kind of sadly but you know, making peace with it for... Sure. They're not happy about it, but they're happy for her. So um, I understand her frustration of wanting to leave. I'm not sure why she's frustrated that they aren't formulating rescue plans when they think that she is sort of living this goddess existence in sort of
0: heaven. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean, I I think it's just the frustration. Like, I think you can... Just chalk it up to like, she's frustrated, and this is how Cordy, right, you know, expresses she, yeah. her frustration is she
1: berating other people, blames yeah. other
0: people for yes. you know not doing enough to make her happier, <laughs> like.
1: So, and I know the circumstances are totally different, so it's not really a quite quite of a good parallel, but this it just occurred to me to contrast this to Buffy in heaven, who
2: hmm. was in
1: heaven and gets sort of dragged down to the hell on earth by her by her oh so helpful friends um whereas here we have like cordy who didn't die but did kind of ascend in a sort of heavenly way um and is totally bored by her divine plane and desperately wishing that her friends would come get her yeah. when they're all not they're like oh well it's we'll miss her but she must be happy so right. good for her um so there's kind of a funny inversion there
0: um yeah i i've never thought of it that way but you're right there is kind of a yeah inversion slash parallel to her you know to buffy and whatnot um Yeah, and also like, like there is that thing of like, you know, I mean, obviously this is very, you you know, the whole like sitting on a cloud playing a harp is like very much a parody. Like most people who mm-hmm. believe in heaven or some sort of afterlife don't believe that that's actually it. Mm-hmm. But like, like you do hear those people say like, if that's all I'm going to do, I don't even want to go to heaven. Like, right? You know, I'd rather go someplace where there's something interesting going on or whatever, wherever that might be other than heaven. So like, like there's that
1: pure contented goodness is like boring. Yeah. yeah,
0: Boring and uninteresting to a lot of people. Right. Um, You know, but also like, like we see in this episode that like Cordy can actually do some things or at least like influence things to a certain degree and it's not till, like, she really, like, tries at the end that she even, like, just kind of jogs the the um, slot machine, you know, mm-hmm. to, like, help Angel win. And that gives them sort of the edge, right? Like, the ultimate, you know, that leads to the final showdown and, and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, there's also a slight implication that maybe she was the one who sort of helped Angel start fighting, even though his sort of willpower was taken away. Mm -hmm. Um, A little more subtle and like, who knows like how much involvement she may have actually had in that. But anyway, like there is that thing of like, oh, well, she actually can maybe do some things Mm -hmm. that, maybe some of her frustration was also just out of pure ignorance of like, what is she even like, what is even sort of the boundaries of her existence, which follows on sort of her demon capabilities too. Right. When she was on earth, like, right. And she kind of had sort you know, of became this stumbling into demon, it. Yeah. She didn't really know what she could do. She just knowed knowed. she just knew that like, sometimes she glowed and could do these weird things, but like, She didn't have any real control or insight into what all of that meant. Um, So maybe there's an aspect of it there, too, of just like, if you just read the manual and figure out what you can do with your newfound powers, then maybe there's a little more opportunity for you to be less dissatisfied with your higher existence.
1: Sure. Sure. Sure, right. Is she dissatisfied because she was just sort of plopped down with no instruction? Right.
0: Um, yeah, Skip and, didn't yeah. give her a manual when you sent her off into
1: the. No, no. And it's kind of funny the way that it's shot, that we, like, never see anything else. It's just that tight. I mean, at one point yeah. the camera kind of goes through a cloud, so you can kind of associate it, like you said, with that idea of sitting in the clouds.
2: Um yeah. Well,
0: and so this you is know, the other but, thing, right? Like, she doesn't seem to be connected with any other higher. Right.
1: Universe. That's the weird part, is like, okay, y- right. There's the cliche of, like, heaven is boring. But, like, it would be really boring if it's you alone with right. nothing for all. Like, that sounds like nothing. That doesn't sound like heaven. That doesn't sound like a divine realm of well, gods it, and angels. It is.
0: It is if hell is other people. But... well sure um (laughs) but yeah no i i know what you mean right like there's there's a lack of i mean part of her frustration is the lack of connection and like you said before like it you know this is about bringing together the family again like cordy's feeling as disconnected as anyone
2: right Um, possibly even more so like right like (laughs)
0: not
1: even to her old friends and her old life and earth and humanity but like even to other higher beings like we don't see any hint that she has any connection or relationship or contact with them at all um like yeah, yeah she's kind of seems to be totally on her own and even the fact that we don't like it doesn't even leave that shot just that one shot of her like in close up kind of it's like To me, the implication is, like, there's nothing around her. Like, not even... It's not even, like, she's wandering this idyllic setting by herself. It's, like, there's nothing there. There's nowhere Mm -hmm. to go or do. You know, like, it's just her in the frame, in that tiny little frame that she's stuck in. Um,
0: So, yeah. I mean, you know, and I don't, like... I don't necessarily want to get into, like, the... I don't know if theology is the right word, but whatever the metaphysics of it all. But like, sure. I also wonder, like, if we're if we're supposed to feel like this is representative of like a non physical existence anyway. Like, like we Mm -hmm. see her, you know, because like you have to portray her somehow, like in a visual medium. But like, maybe is she a being of pure thought?
2: Yeah. Like
0: maybe she doesn't even have a physical presence at all. I mean, right. Again, we don't really know because we're not like told, and it's demonstrative, (laughs) but it's, you know.
2: Yeah,
1: right.
0: That's a possibility as well.
1: Yes, yeah. No, and I think that's a good, a good possibility. Like there's a strong likelihood of that because of the way that it's presented. Um, Like I think if we were supposed to get a sense of her physical place, we would see something of it. So, yeah, it's more of a thing of a convenience of how to convey what her thoughts are um, is having the actors say them. But like, yeah, the fact that we don't see her interact with anyone or anything kind of suggests that there isn't really any of that.
0: Yeah. And again, Um, maybe it's, maybe it's not that there aren't other beings to communicate with. She just doesn't know how to do it. Like she doesn't seem to know what her powers and abilities are. So, maybe there is a way to connect with them and nobody's connected with her to tell her how to do it. Right. You know, so maybe it's just a matter of like learning what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. So I guess that kind of brings us to her appearance at the end um, her physical reappearance in the hotel and where she says, who are you people? So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of, I feel like there's two possibilities, maybe there are more, but the two that I can think of are that either in the process of experimenting with what she can do, she's somehow, lost those memories like maybe she tried something and it went slightly wrong and so there's in trying to get back she came back not quite fully aware of things and so it's a kind of mistake um or i do wonder if there could be a kind of like consequence of her intervening um, like maybe she's like, oh, cause maybe she, she kind of expelled like she could have something. been expelled. Like, like if it's yeah. like, a, cause she, again, maybe it's her ignorance, but she did say something about, um, like I'm not allowed to intervene as if that's a rule. So another possibility mm. could be that she broke a rule and then got kicked out by, you know, the, sure. By the powers or whatever. Um, so mm. those are the two that kind of leap to mind I don't know. Um, Obviously, you don't have to tell me, and probably yeah, I mean, shouldn't tell me that's the mystery for the next time. So,
0: I won't say one way or the other. I mean, the sort of other possibility, which I'll just throw out there, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying this is true or whatever, it's just to like present all possible things is that maybe it's not actually Cordelia. Maybe sure. there's another thing going on here that's, you know, Coming down as her, or pretending to be her, or something, and, and legitimately doesn't know who they are. Sure, kind of like Stark. Um,
1: <laughs> like it could be a, a counterfeit of some she's kind.
0: The final Cylon. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. She's the she's the fifth. Yeah. Um, um. That's true, and I that hadn't occurred to me, but yeah, I've I figured there could be other possible explanations that hadn't occurred to me yet
0: sure um i mean yeah and there might be even more than those but um yeah all right um i don't know i mean like we've covered a bunch of stuff um already covered the wesley stuff too like anything else kind of with this episode i don't know I mean, we don't have to belabor um, anything, but, like,
2: there. Yeah, I'm trying
1: to see if there's any little details that are important, um, but I'm not sure that I have anything else, really. No.
0: All right. Well, when we, uh, I guess in a couple weeks, when we come We'll see what uh, what's up with Corey. I mean, we've got most of the team pretty much back together now, right? I mean, Connor's really the only one who's out and about.
1: Yeah, well, no. you're not including Wesley in that, I guess. Like,
0: he's, I mean, he's around. Yeah, no, no, you're <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you're right. I, I wasn't including Wesley. Like, just because he's kind of been away for like
2: longer, so long yeah, yeah. Now,
0: like at this point. Um,
2: well, what if
0: yeah.
1: he never comes back? That's a
2: a I sad thought, but it's a thought. I will not, I will not
0: uh, 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 reveal or or speculate on the fate of Wesley, but <laughs> it's always possible that somebody may not make it through The entire series,
2: alive. Mm-hmm. or even, or I was
1: even just thinking, like, what if he just stays a rogue demon hunter? <laughs>
2: like, yeah, sure, you know, oh, okay. like yeah, maybe I he doesn't,
0: like, yeah, like, what if something happens? Like, what if he doesn't
1: return to right, like,
0: one of so the group? Like, maybe he's just continues to be stubborn, and or the others continue to be stubborn, and right, never, nothing ever, like, because that happens right. with people. nothing ever gets resolved, they yeah. never like forgive each other or whatever.
1: Right. I mean, that sounds kind of like a bummer, but hey, I mean, like, I think the expectation is that he will reconcile. And like you said, Whedon likes to subvert those expectations. So you could have something a little bleaker than that. I
0: mean, Wesley has his own crew and seems to be doing something with it. Like, I mean, it's not. like...
1: Yeah, he's got a little operation going.
0: Yeah. We don't quite know what he's doing. Um, he's at least not hiding women in his closet anymore. So, so that seems up. like that seems like a move in the right direction. I'm just right. gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb with that one.
1: No, but you know the only other one thing I maybe want to mention about Wesley and Lila, um, you know, uh, phone sex sort of aside, is the the I feel like in each appearance of them. They get m- l- less of the antagonistic, where enemies mm. sense, and more of a like. Now, nah, like this is just more flirtatious, more like genuinely warm between them. Like now, it's Wesley and Lila. They are angry, bitter people. It's not totally warm and healthy, <laughs> right,
2: right. but
1: like for right, them, relatively. But like for them. Like, this seems like it's more, and he's, like, on the phone with her, like, in front of the other guys, so it's not even, like, a secret, really. Like, it seems like it's getting more and more of a comfortable, established sort of relationship, and less of a, like, one, maybe what it started as, like, this, this sort of fling that wasn't going anywhere, just to,
0: like, let off
1: steam and get back at people,
0: but now it's, like, a thing. Right. Right. The hate sex is more like annoyed sex. Right. Right. like There's a loss of intensity to that sort of... Right. Initial... Right. Yeah, like... Loathing that they felt for each other.
1: Right. No, and I don't get the sense that there's loathing there at
0: right. all, really,
1: anymore. Um, so, mm. yeah, I guess there's just a gradual... If the, if that scene advances any plot at all, maybe it's that. Is it's a sure s- a step along the road of a gradual a gradual softening of that relationship. I think
0: I think that's a very magnanimous way to look at that scene, but we can accept it as a valid interpretation.
1: I guess. Yeah, and like if you missed that scene, would the whole thing fall apart? No, I don't think so. But I guess I think it. It's continuing a trend, I guess, is what. Sure. I would, what I would say in my defense of it.
2: Yep. yep.
0: All right. Well, good. Um. On to BSG, the first. Wait, no, the third episode in season four. Um. The the third, the, the thirst. No, I don't know.
1: Anyway, um our three elements are surprised no our four. Our four elements. <laughs> sorry, that's my that's my one and only Monty Python reference for
0: the day. <laughs> um all right, so sorry, now I'm like trying to figure out where to go. Uh yeah. He that believeth in me. So mm. um which I mean, I didn't spend, like, tons of time thinking about the episode title, and we mm-hmm. don't always bring up the episode titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I mean, that that's, like, there's, like, the biblical,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right, you know, the, he that believes in me shall have everlasting life, right? Like, there's the, you know, I don't even remember what the verse is there, but... Um, or you know what, like the, like the what the reference is, but um, is it that's what Starbucks. Three sixteen, I think. Is that
1: John what? I think it might be John. 316. Is that the
0: John 316 one? I think okay. so. Um, I mean, I would have known that for sure at one point. But yeah, anyway. right.
1: This is lapsed uh, Sunday school kids, so we could be right. wrong. Right. Well,
0: that. you know, whatever. But like, I, I mean. Anyway, it's a anyway, very famous so, line. So just, <laughs> but like, there's a few like I feel like there's a few aspects to it in this episode, right? Because you have Starbuck who's trying to get, in particular, Adama, but really anyone, to listen and and believe her about her mm-hmm. experience and and as and more particularly what they need to do next. Like, like I don't think she necessarily even cares if they believe what happened if they at least do what she wants them to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like from the sort of practical Starbuck, uh, viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so the, he there, right. Like is Adama like believing in her and trying to figure out, you know, how to get him to trust her as, as someone who has said like, you're like a daughter to me and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, of course, there's the Baltar. Very like like this is the beginning of of you know Messiah Baltar, right? Um, right. I mean, like the the sort of true beginning. I guess we sort of had hints of it previously, where he was sort of like playing a part. But like, you get the very like almost gethsemane-like praying right like you get like you know like like in all the pictures of you see jesus with like the hands together and right. the head sort of eyes sort of roll back yeah. looking up and right. so you get that sort of like um motif or or I, I guess not quite a tableau but you know like that idea of like like there's a very sort of um religious aspect of it and Of course, like that, that, like this is the change, right, of um, going from sort of the paganistic, you know, Mm -hmm. multiple gods, you know, religion to the one true God. Right. um, You know, whatever. Um, And the other side of that being that like. I don't know that he's quite fully there yet. But there's mm-hmm. evidence that Baltar himself is starting to believe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, maybe not quite sure what he believes <laughs> yet, but like that, that thing of where he's, uh, you know, it's, he's not just like praying out loud for like all the people, right? Like he does it at night when everyone's asleep. Right. And so there's, there's an aspect there of, there seems to be some verisimilitude to his, Belief, um, mm-hmm. whatever that belief is. Again, we're not maybe entirely sure what it is he believes, but he seems genuine in in his beliefs. Um, right. Right. So yeah, I mean, I just to say that you know at least wanted to point that out. Um, again, we don't always talk about the the episode titles in these in this show, but um, right some some interesting connections there and i mean ob- you know obviously very deliberate um right price and price, i think but
1: i think the on the nose aspect of it is lessened because there are those multiple interpretations right. of it like you do get starved like so in terms of like of it being a sort of messianic title of this kind of one true or, he that believeth in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. So who's who's the speaker of that? You know, like is it is it Starbuck with her feelings that people are supposed to follow without reason, yeah. you know, or without question? And, or is it is it Baltar I, as well
0: it, fulfilling Starbuck, this Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying with Starbuck also that that she's trying to lead them to I mean, maybe not everlasting life, but like, right. but like, like she's trying to the save species. them, yeah, yeah, and and give them life. Like, it's right. not even just like, hey, listen right. to me because I'm right. It's listen to me because I can give you the life that we've been looking for, right,
2: all over right.
1: And we'll and our species will <laughs> perish without it. So it's the life. It's everlasting right. in the sense of like the survival of humanity right. Right. and everything. We'll I guess keep going on, yeah, yeah, um. But then, yeah, like you said, like there's the Baltar stuff, which this is obviously the first time we have humans believing in Baltar's messianic destiny, but it's certainly not the first time it's been mentioned, because that's been like his head is right, that right, right, right. that's been her thing all along, is you're special and you're God's, you're the hand of God, and you're, whatever you do is, your path is yeah. chosen and anointed, and if well, you... You know, but then there's also, like you said, like, it's his prayer. Yeah. Is is the speaker, like, the one true God? Um, so is it Baltar's prayer, which saves the boy, so he that believes in this God is rewarded with life? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so much Baltar as the savior, but maybe Baltar is priest of the God who, like, points people towards the god, So he's not the savior himself, but the messenger of that. Um, mm-hmm. And cause it's weird. Like they pray to God, but also they have like a shrine of Baltar. So it's a little, sure. It's, it's a little bit of both of like, who's being worshiped and who's actually the, the, um, the one who I guess is.
0: Right, who's being the Put up on that pedestal. The... Yeah. Kind of, Um, yeah, or whatever. And, like,
1: it's never explicitly said this way, but, like, this is the Cylon god they're praying to. Like, like that's the only context we've heard of a one true god is from the Cylons. Like, the humans are all... I mean, maybe they're shown to be, like... If they're more secular, maybe they're agnostic or atheist, but, like, the humans are basically, like, a pantheistic religion in their culture. So, yeah, you have... This one Cylon god that we've heard about um, now is starting to gain a following within the human population, which is a shift, I think. Um, Yeah, and just to kind of, before we move on, note Walter, I, I can think of like one other time when he's... Seemed to, even if he doesn't follow through on his promises, he seemed to legitimately pray and be rewarded, which was when he was in jail, Um, when they thought they had a photo proving that he was behind the genocide. And in his jail cell, he kind of has his deathbed conversion of, I will promise sure. to do good if you save me from this situation. And that
0: doesn't sure
1: last very long. But like both times he prays in all sincerity and is immediately almost rewarded in some way. Like he gets the thing Mm -hmm. that he was praying for. Um, So it's kind of a interesting trend, I think, to notice with him.
2: Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't know, even though like, yeah, there is a different feel to this than – the deathbed confession. And I think, because again, I think that's more about just saving himself. Right. And that like, was like, this save is,
1: me and I'll worship you.
0: This is this save is, somebody take, else.
1: And, Don't and, save him. And, me. and yeah.
0: let me take his place. Right. Um, which is itself an interesting sort of like, like, you know, I mentioned the sort of like the Gethsemane, the Gethsemane look. Right. But of course, The whole thing with Gethsemane, with Jesus, is that, like, he, like, the prayer was, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let me go through this terrible thing that I want to go through. That, which is almost more along the lines of the deathbed confession, you know, or or whatever you want to call it. Right. Well, it's Um, the more
1: human moment. Yeah. It's the human moment of not wanting to go through suffering and be spared. Yeah.
0: So, you know there is sort of an inversion of that here with Baltar of the you know let me be the one to take the place of the child if it so be
2: um
1: well yeah like if if that's the if that's jesus's most human moment, like do, do saying the thing you expect the human this is like baltar's most christ like moment of like put sure. me in that child's place and I will bear his suffering for him. Right. Like, because Baltar's normally the most flawed human that there is, you know? <laughs> so and, this is, like, right. the exception rather than the rule.
0: Um, And then with the attack in the bathroom, like, the fulfillment, not, not the, oh, wait, I was just kidding, I don't want to die, but the fulfillment of, go ahead and do it, mm-hmm. right? Like, Sort of with that in mind, you know, as Caprica's sick is saying, well, you said, you know, take my place. So here, here you go. This is your opportunity
2: mm-hmm. to like
0: put your money where your mouth is. Um, but then, right. of course, and he she's does saved
2: yeah.
0: by uh, Paula. Is that her name?
1: Yes, Paula. Um, Paula the Apostle.
0: I mean, kind of. <laughs> I hadn't made that connection, but, like, you have to wonder if they weren't, you know, doing, you know, giving her that name deliberately for that connection. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't actually think of that. So that's interesting. Well, now
1: I'm realizing Jean is kind of John-like. Right, like
0: it's French John, right? Right, (laughs) right.
1: So these are are very... um, these are very biblical apostolic, names. Yeah. yeah. apostolic names. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and, yeah, okay. So, you have, uh, I mean, the bathroom scene is, don't necessarily need to go on it too long, but you get the, you get Connor, and, like, you know, whose son died, and, and, Start doing that and then you get paula like saving baltar and all of that um with his you know throat like cut not you know enough to like cut an artery or anything but like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know it's it's like more than a shaving cut and uh you know as as he sort of claims that it is um but yeah when they come back and see the the kid he's he's better and so like now it's now there's that question of like oh you know was it because of me or was there something else and so um the kid had what was it viral encephalitis like i don't know <clears throat> i don't know anything really much about that but like like you see like Baltar's reaction when he hears, like, the viral part, it's like, oh, like, that sounds bad, (laughs) right, like, um, but I get the sense that that's not, like, the kind of thing that just goes away on its own, too, right, Right. like, I mean, again, I don't really, like, I don't know anything about it, but I know it's a brain thing, Mm -hmm. and, like, you don't typically just get over brain stuff on your own especially like viral brain stuff that causes like like i think it causes like fluid and swelling and like all this stuff that like right right you know is typically very bad um so you know yeah like the, the implication is that like there's not it's not just something that you just like get better from mm-hmm. um yeah so anyway I right. don't have anything real, really more to say than that about Baltar, but um, we kind of went off our.
2: That's okay. uh,
0: uh, Outline here because I definitely want to go back to Starbuck, and okay. kind of talk through the different react. Unless there's anything else you have with Baltar.
1: Um. um no. I don't think so. I mean, if we think of anything, we can come back to him, but... Um, sure. No, I, just, I think that's since, fine.
0: Since we kind of ended up jumping to him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's go back to Starbuck. Because, like, I mean, in a, not as much as the Angel episode is sort of focused on Lauren.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, given that we've got so many other characters to, like, look at in this episode. But, like... Um, there is a sense in which this is kind of a Starbuck episode, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of different reactions to her return. Um, I mean, not, not all of them are necessarily that different, but like they're kind of like variations on a theme of mm-hmm. confusion and maybe a little hurt and anger and mm-hmm. like almost like, well, and certainly mistrust. To some degree. So, um, yeah, just maybe kind of one by one, we can talk through some of the different reactions. So you have, like, Lee, who's just, like, astounded, like, just stunned mm-hmm. at the beginning, right? Like, just has no, obviously not expecting this. Um, it's been a couple of months. Um, yeah. You know, in showtime, anyway, it's been right a year or whatever. Right, I yeah, think, in yeah. Our time, but... Um yeah, just hey, right. long enough fighting to, Cylons and
1: long enough to start to like make some if not peace with it at least, wrap your head around her being gone. So long right. enough for it to be weird and shocking for her to come back and
0: And like now there's this not like Lee knows about the final five, right? Or does he not know yet?
1: I can't I don't who remember knows. who knows. I and mean, I know can. that Baltars mentioned it like to Rosalind Adama, but I don't know who like they've told beyond right. that.
0: Right, like like if there are more people beyond it then Lee possibly knows, right? Sure. Like, I mean, like he would be like the next one in line to sort of have that knowledge. Sure. It seems like to me, anyway. Okay. Um, so, so maybe maybe we don't know for sure, but like there's suspicion there of, like, okay... Like, they do know that Cylons resurrect. So, like, even if he doesn't know about Final Five, like, there's suspicion of, like, oh, is this... Is Starbuck another model, and we just never knew it before, but now she's resurrected and come back. Like, you could imagine that being one of the things that's going
2: through his mind.
1: Well, and in some ways, that seems like the most logical obvious right. explanation right. given what the characters know maybe we as the audience have a bit more knowledge and can imagine other possibilities but yeah like who else do they know who can die and come back those are silence right. you know right. like
0: yeah humans don't normally do that no <laughs> but we know the silence do that you so know yeah, the so like, silence do
1: that so that makes like perfect could, sense it could be
0: a very yeah simple uh deductive reasoning in that case right. um
1: Right, which I feel like some of the more skeptical characters, that probably would be their argument, is like this is very clear what this is and if you don't think it, then you're being a bit naive.
0: Um, Um. But once they get back, I mean so there's like fighting and stuff and they have to like kind of fight their way through and whatnot, but once they get back uh, he gives her a big hug. Yeah, and so like, there's definitely, on his part, you know, after the initial sort of confusion and maybe a bit of distrust, there seems to be a pretty ready acceptance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then even when like, so Adama has another, like he like he's more along the lines of confusion, just doesn't know what to believe, mm-hmm. right? Um, and. Like we even get Lee saying to him, like, "Well, you know where I stand." Like, like Lee, like after that initial like sort of shock and disbelief, like Lee's pretty straightforward with what he believes, right? Um, right. Lee's
1: all all heart and intuition. Like, there's right. no, there's no kind of trying to. Uh, right, clear-headed, rational, like hold her at arm's length. Like, no, that's
0: not in, in a very real sense. I mean, it's someone who he loved deeply, who has come back from the dead. Like mm-hmm. he's just going to sort of accept that and yeah. not, you know, question it too much. I mean, why would why wouldn't why wouldn't you like that? Like, why wouldn't that be, you know, I mean, we know why because we watch fantasy and science fiction, but like you know, for him, like, that seems like, just, yeah, take take it, like, as it comes. Um
1: Well, and it's funny how things shift when it becomes personal. Like, he kind of says, like, well, if Zack came back, would you care if he's a Cylon? It's like, well, it's your brother or your son, like, who cares what he is. But, like, when it's other characters, you know, two seasons ago, that's not the tune they're saying. Like, you know, sure. maybe Tyrrell had a hard time letting go of Boomer, but like he was the only one. Everyone else was like, "That get that thing off this ship." You know, when suddenly it's someone who's important to you. Um, yeah. Not that nobody cared about Boomer, but like for Lee, for people that he cares about to the extent of Starbuck or Zach, suddenly the thought of them coming back from the dead, he really doesn't feel that differently if they're asylon whereas before he might have said he has said oh they're machines they're not really people um sure. but that changes when it's your people i think <laughs> you know um
2: yeah
1: it's inconsistent i mean that's fine i mean i think that's a relatable thing Human. but that's yeah. the the inconsistency <laughs> of that you know
2: sure um
0: So, yeah, so you get Lee with this sort of, you know, broad acceptance, and then you get Adama with this sort of equivocation, but, like, ultimately, you know, going with his uh, head over his heart um, and saying, you know, like, like, Starbucks sort of, like, pleads with him, like, you know, you said you love me like a daughter, and so you should trust me, and he's like what I I can't or you know I can't afford to is what he says and I mean we can debate whether that's true or not like you know mm-hmm. with hindsight and whatnot um mm-hmm. later but
1: right but I think if your story sense is telling you go with would go with her you're like clearly like the this the narrative is telling you that this is um, you know, what you should do. Um, I think when you kind of put yourself in that position, it's hard to argue with his decision because again, from a purely logical, within the narrative point of view, everything is telling you that she must be a Cylon or created by Cylons or in collusion with them somehow. So to kind of go against the roadmap they've been using all this time with like literally no evidence other than the word of somebody who just came back from the dead. It's like, it's kind of, I think it's easy to feel like that's a stupid decision when I don't think it necessarily is. Sure. Um, from his point of view or from well, Ronson's point of I, view or whatever.
0: That's why I threw in the, with hindsight, right? Like, I mean, right. Yeah, obviously, us watching the show, we have more info than Adama does. But also, like, yeah, like, the question is, like, you know, okay, I can't afford to because, like, this is the way that we've been going and this is our best guess. But, like, there's also, like, the fact that, like, they're reading, like, they're trying to read, you know, and interpret these scriptures that are thousands of years old and are metaphorical and all this and yes like i mean they've led them to some places but like they've also had a good dollop of luck too like Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like it's like oh our rigorous interpretation of these texts has you know seen us straight so far so we're going to keep doing that it's like no there's been a lot of like guesswork you kind yeah. of get in the right neighborhood maybe with the text and then yeah like something just happens to go your way um not right. always
1: you get, you get in the right neighborhood and then a supernova happens and then it points you right. in another direction but they have no control over that yeah
2: right um
0: yeah so it's not like like yes i agree with you that like it does make a certain amount of sense to keep kind of doing, it's like, you know, make a plan and then commit to it. And maybe it's not the right plan, but like, at least you went your way and stood your ground and yada, yada, yada. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like if, if Adamo was being honest with himself, like maybe, maybe the scripture and like, I feel like there, there were times where he wasn't even sure like following the the whole like scriptures was the right thing to do either. Right. right.
2: Yeah. Um, right. So, right. so well, it's like, not
0: even like he's been wholly consistent on this point in the past anyway. Right. Um, well, it's
1: like, that's a crazy plan, but this one's just crazier, you know? Um, yeah. and maybe it is the thing that you're used but this to. Is,
0: this one's our crazy plans.
2: So right. Like,
1: Right. Like we've been having success with this particular crazy plan, so we're gonna stick with that. And like right. how much of his like I can't afford to trust you is about he he it's it's Rosalind's call and I can't go against her. Like sure there's a slight passing of the buck, I feel like, of like, well the president made a decision and I and I have to go along with that. And like, you know, there's I there's nothing I can do to change her mind because she's sort of set on this. Um, so, yeah. yeah, he is maybe the most torn of the characters. Um, like, right. equally torn between the two poles, I guess.
0: Um, Just great for since he's the admiral of the fleet, you know? <laughs> sure. But, I mean, I also feel like that's the like, that's the Adama thing, too, is, like, you know, always having Philosophical to like be the one to make the himself. hard decisions yeah. and, you know, see the different angles of all the all the things.
2: Um, right.
0: So, well, then there's Rosalind, right? So, like, you, you mentioned, like, she she sort of makes this decision of where they're going and where they're you know, following the scriptures and whatnot. Um, much more skeptical and even, and distrustful than either of the other two, I think. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, which, you know, again, like you just said, like Adam is sort of taking his lead from Roslin, but maybe does like he admits that's not necessarily where his heart is, it's just where logically he has to make you know, that decision. Um. But, yeah, Rosalind is not nice at all Mm-mm. to Starbuck. And, like, there's that whole exchange of, like, you know, we're going to go through it as many times as it takes for me to be convinced that what you're telling me is the truth. Mm-hmm. Which, which I get. Like, I mean, again, like, I mean, you know, we like Starbuck, and we kind of, you know, see her getting resolved. Not resolved, but like, you know, confirmed as at least not being Cylon, although we're still not sure what's going on. Like, like for as much as like Adama says he can't afford to like, like that's certainly like Roslyn I mean, Roslyn's whole thing has been to take on the fate of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the number of survivors that are left and making sure that people don't abort their babies and, you know, like stuff like that. Like there's all these sorts of things that she's been doing to kind of like take on that role of like protector of humanity. And so like like I I believe her much more in that sort of I can't mm-hmm. afford to trust you than than I do mm-hmm. Adama necessarily. Um I mean she doesn't say that obviously, but like that's sort of the tack that you know she's taking is right you know, not uh you know kind of being very tough like like more than s- uh skeptical you know it's it, she's cynical and and very mm-hmm. distrustful of starbucks return
2: mm-hmm.
1: um right and you pointed out the switch of adama hasn't been always been the believer in the scriptures but is kind of wants to believe in Kara, whereas Roslyn the the prophet you know suddenly is the skeptic so there's a kind of role reversal there of right like this is another not our brand of crazy not the brand of crazy we're used to so it adama in some ways is more open to that whereas rosalind's very attached to her brand of crazy and her particular um her particular through line to the gods or fate or whatever it is that's leading them wherever they're going. Um, she's I think she's gotten used to receiving that information in particular ways of mm. through the scriptures, through her visions, through her own intuition. But then here comes this unexpected thing from outside, right? That might be have a tap into that same source, but might not, might just look like it does, and it could be yet another. trick to lead us off on this wild goose chase away from this path that we have laid out in front of us. Um, So on the one hand, it's a little hypocritical, but on the other hand, again, you can kind of see where the the reluctance comes from. And Adama and Rosalind do have the fate of the fleet on their hands, so it's not like it's an easy decision, whatever they choose.
0: Well, but there is that thing of like, like people, you know, becoming so sure that they're in their own plan, but then, like, yeah, like not necessarily, like, kind of failing. This, this is with anything, not just in yes, year, whatever, but like, you know, in business or whatever. Like, yeah, like people have like their ideas about how like things should run or maybe what a product should be or whatever, and like some people are really good at communicating what that is, and some aren't, and there's mm-hmm. like you know, there is that sense of maybe you're a little crazy, like, I feel like this was like, sort of the Steve Jobs, you know,
2: Mm.
0: uh, uh, attitude or whatever, like, like, people thought he was crazy a lot, but he, you know, produced some really great ideas, and, like, he was kind of a jerk about it, from what I understand, but, like, also, like, you know, ended up creating iPods and, you know, you know, iPhones and like stuff that like has literally changed the way people live today Mm -hmm. and like, you know, kind of has that same attitude of like, you know, whatever, but I don't know. I am sort of fumbling, I guess a little bit, but like, there is that thing of like, yeah, when you see that in someone else, like maybe you're, you, you know, it's okay when you're the one who's like crazy and has like the weird ideas, but then like other people who have them, like you just don't trust them for some reason that like their weirdness is maybe not kosher or whatever. I don't, I don't know the right word to say.
1: Right. Right. It's right. It's slightly threatening. I think Um, more than sure. slightly, I think it's very threatening. And, but then there's the irony of, I think Starbucks conversation of defending like, well, I don't know how I know these things. I just has a feeling it's like Rosalind's literally been on that end of that conversation. And so does that mean she should trust Kara totally blindly without any proof or verification? No, maybe not. But should she have some understanding of what, of where she's coming from? And a sense that true things can come from a place of inspiration because she's experienced that, you know, of, sure. of divine inspiration without any, you know, kind of empirical proof. If anybody should be open to that, you would think it's Rosalind. So maybe that is just the the threat of there being somebody else being in that position of...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: of of the prophet that is not something that she's comfortable with on a on a subconscious level I don't think she's aware yeah. of that I think from Rosalind's point of view she's being totally rational and logical and right. anybody who isn't is being duped and is acting
0: stupid and you know and it just happens to be missing that that's exactly what she's telling yes. other people they need to be
1: Exactly. That everybody else has been kind of indulging this in her all along. Um, and it's only now that she's on the other side of it, does she see like, wow, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, or is really hard to buy without taking it on some sort of faith or trust.
2: Um, yeah. Um, all right,
0: so... Um Couple more reactions to Starbucks. Um, so short, but we have to mention Gata mm-hmm. <laughs> getting very frustrated and um, kind of insubordinate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Although I guess
1: certainly for him,
0: right? Like, like if we're, if we're right, grading if, on a curve here, <laughs> even when he doesn't like things, like he right? Like he's he's the military man, so he always still, like, sort of abides by it, even though he doesn't like it, necessarily. Right,
1: Right. there might be, like, an eye roll implicit in the tone of his voice, but, yeah, this is more um, verbal, passive aggression, you know, of, like, needling her and and more openly um, unhappy with his orders than he normally would allow himself to be.
0: And also, kind of questioning... Whether she has even the ability to give him orders,
2: because mm-hmm.
0: like, Starbuck died. Like, right. do, Does she still even have a officer commission at this? Sure. Point? Like, you know, right. I mean, may, even if it's just a technicality, it's like you're you're dead. You don't have like <laughs> command authority over want.
1: me. Yeah. Um. Well, and there's the is the, there's that's probably the biggest point, but there's also the kind of territorialness of her. Coming into CIC and bossing him around, sure. like you know, and I think like Rosalind, there's some of the defensive. Come down to
0: your viper and tell you how to do your job. There, I think like, there's a
1: little bit of that, and and I think it's similar to Rosalind. And like, yeah, he's been working on these star charts for how long? To have her kind of turn up and like want to throw them away is like right. a bit much. Um, and um, I think there's an element too of like. Like, he's been in the position of coming back in as the outsider and it taking a long time to get reacquainted and let people be comfortable with him being around and everything. And here's Starbuck back from the dead, seemingly possibly a Cylon, and she's, like, in CIC calling the shots. So I think there's a kind of, like... I think just the gall of people just listening to her with no question is maybe a bit much um you know i think it like it pushes him to be more i guess vocally insubordinate than than he normally would be i mean there's still circle stuff there too so i don't think Geta and starbuck are bffs either um right you know there's there's but, i think I mean, some lingering like
2: yeah. maybe
1: like dislike of that as well the so the whole
0: you tried to have me thrown out an airlock right and
1: know. no real like reconciliation after the fact um
0: right. so put a damper on a relationship
1: yeah it's kind of not not great um so yeah i think it's it's all of those things um and, I, I mean, one more layer, too, is just her her lack of clarity of, like, what she wants. Like, she's kind of pointing at things, right. saying, like, how about this? And he's like, do I really have to explain to you why that kind of star system isn't the kind of star system you said you saw? So, like, now I'm just explaining basic astronomy to you. And and so, like, right. he's kind of grudgingly trying to follow orders. They just don't make any sense. So part of it might just be the frustration of bad orders to begin with. Um, And just, and she kind of admits that it's all very fuzzy and not very clear. Mm -hmm. Like she has a sense of, okay, I saw a gas giant, I saw whatever. But other than that, it's not like she knows what star system she saw or where it is on the maps. So her kind of intuition bumping up against his more orderly, you know, logic, I think is part of it too.
2: Mhm.
0: For sure. Um so then we come to Sam. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, Sam, we like Sam. He's, you know, mm-hmm. still you know, faithful Sam. Some about this some about the name, I guess, right, like the faithful mm.
2: uh
0: Sam, you know, but anyway, um right, yeah, right. so like Starbuck goes to and like sees her picture on the wall there next to Cat, where she wanted it, right
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it's sort of annoying that nobody <laughs> took it down, and Sam's like, we're still trying to figure out like what's going on here right um but there's that the whole conversation of like i mean obviously he's the most accepting of sort of any of the characters who Mm -hmm. she talks to and who sort of whose reactions we see to her coming back um well in some ways is
1: he even a little excited that like like the way he kind of commiserates and has empathy for what she's going through like oh you woke up and suddenly you're different but it's okay because we love each other and we can go through this together (laughs) like
0: right that's the thing it's like he's also coloring his reaction to the his own revelation that just occurred very recently so Mm -hmm. um right there's that so he he you know says to her like yeah you know just because you sort of one day wake up and realize that you're different like from everyone else th- that doesn't mean you yourself are actually different like that doesn't mean you've changed it just means like you're still the way you've always been mm-hmm. um and yeah there's like an element of like maybe him trying to convince himself in that mm-hmm. right like um that's certainly the tie position and we'll get into like final five stuff in a moment but like that is sort of like the tie position of like i am who i am i'm you know salt tie, and i've Mm
2: -hmm. always
0: fought cylons and i always will and Mm -hmm. and sam is definitely more skeptical of that position so there's like knowing that and having him come back here and try and trying it out on starbuck there's certainly a sense of like especially with her response like yeah maybe maybe there is maybe it is a little bit of bunk, right like mm-hmm. you know he says to her uh yeah that like well you are you know you're still who you've always been or whatever and starbucks like man if i found out you were a Cylon, i'd put a bullet in your head like <laughs> like that's like so much bs that you're giving yeah. me right now like yeah and which of course doesn't make sam feel very good and then no. starbuck going into actually stealing gun right after she says she'd put a bullet in his head like sure had to be a little disconcerting as well right but right. um but yeah like there is there's that you know he's trying to be very sweet and uh you know consoling and uh silver lining it all right and Mm -hmm. she's just like yeah not happening yeah
1: she's like how many times have we been over this they're not people end of discussion yeah Yeah. Yeah. um that that's that um
0: so yeah um and then yeah and then of course he tries to stop her you know and she knocks him out true love
1: yeah same old same old (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, right. Par for the courts for Starbucks and Sam, right? Um, and
1: I, like his line when he first sees her of "I told them you were too mean to kill" is like funny, like, like. I mean, it's an affectionate line, but still, like, they're that's kind of their relationship as him as the kind of like lovable one, and her is this kind of mean, you know, the mean one who pushes him around and knocks him out occasionally um so
0: <laughs> just keep things spicy
1: and like i think i mean that's a clever line about like clever with dramatic irony of oh i if i found out you were silent i'd put a bullet between your eyes but i think it works because you kind of believe that she'd do it like right the, the meanness of her the toughness the the smirk of like the way she says it like whether or not you believe that will happen in the story. I think you certainly believe that she's capable, you know, and mm. that she means it when she says it. Um, sure. So like of not suspecting at all that, that, that he could be that for real, but that's her feelings about silence. So um, she kinds of sells it, I think just on the genuineness of the delivery. Yeah. Whereas otherwise I think it could be like oh haha we get it. Like um, it feels true enough to the character that it's not just like a clever
0: line. Right. Right. Um alright. So I mean we sort of skirted around it a little bit but yeah I mean there's this plan that she has of getting back to Earth. Um and I guess we don't know a ton about it. Like, there's no like mile markers. Like we said, like she's just sort of guessing at where it might be with Gaeta. and then like, mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, right? Just like they're to,
1: looking for other star patterns that might match the description of like it had a, this sun, it had these kinds of planets, whatever. Yeah.
0: Um. And then there's like the other aspect of it is. Is that like she's like forgetting like what it is that she kind of came back to do, you know, like she's kind of forgetting the path or the signs or whatever it is that will lead them to earth um, with each jump, which is apparently in the opposite direction of where they are supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. Although if it's in the opposite direction like can't they literally just turn around and go back the other way? I don't know. Um,
1: well, yeah, but I guess it's the loss of the feeling that's the that's yeah, yeah, what yeah. puts a clock on it, I guess. Like well, they have to do that's that. That's the soon. question.
0: Like is it is it loss of feeling or is it like distance from you know where they're supposed to be going like I mean Sure. Like and both. I guess
1: we don't I guess we don't know, but
0: because it does feel like there's sort of a, uh, yeah, like a distance thing there, like in some of the ways that she talks about, it. like, oh, we're jumping mm-hmm. further and further away from, mm-hmm. like, what we're supposed to do. Um. But yeah, I mean, whatever that plan is, at the end of the episode, she's ready to go convince Roslyn of it one way or another. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: So I guess we'll see. How that pans right. out. Go
1: convince her at the barrel of a of a gun.
0: Um, so just for the last bit, um, I don't know that we spent need to spend a ton of time on this, but like, um, just want to talk through some of the final five stuff too, because like we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about it, or at least hinted at it. Um, but like, you've got like them coming together in a room again, and we don't really know how often this is happening now, right? Like, but we've seen them like meet up. A few times, like the four of them, and this is like the most unlikely group gathering, right like right right, like anyone who saw them
1: right, they're not like buddies, yeah,
0: right they would know for sure like that they're uh they're up to something or, like this yeah, like <laughs> tie like I feel like ty. You could see Ty and Sam, because, right, they were in the Resistance together. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe talking together. Maybe you could see, like, Tyrell in there. But then mm-hmm. you throw Tori into that mix. And it's just mm-hmm. like, right. I don't know, it's, it's a little odd. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, I mean, the big thing is that Sam, you know, goes out. Well, okay, even before that. Like, he's sort of having his crisis of conscience, or crisis of identity, whatever you want to call it. Um, like, on the deck, like, while everyone's getting ready to jump out and fight the Cylons, and Tyrell's, like, trying to talk him down, and you even get, like, um, I like that little moment with Athena coming up and be like, well, who else would he be? (laughs) Like, yeah, like, that, you know, again, like, sort of nice little dramatic irony Mm -hmm. delivery there, um. Right, and Sam
1: the most, like, wears everything on his sleeve, can't yeah. hide like well, everyone is, else can kind of clamp it down for the moment. He's the one who's like, have he has to have that identity crisis like right now. Um, like there's no pushing that off to the back burner. That's right. going to like, even down to like muttering his backstory into like the intercom between the planes. Like if, like for other people to hear, like yeah. I was born on this planet. They're like, Sam, shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like again, like if people are paying attention, which they're not, this is the dead giveaway, but, like, everybody's
0: so distracted with it. Right, and, like, they chalk it up to jittery nerves of a nugget. Right, right, Right. like, Like first
1: time in battle, yeah.
0: It's not like he's... Right, like, whatever he's saying, it's like, they've all heard, like, some nugget say something weirder. So this isn't even, like, this isn't necessarily, like, like, everyone has their own ritual, everyone has their own fears and You know quirks and whatever but um yeah so he's just kind of so he gets into battle has a Cylon Raider in his sights but doesn't fire um the explanation we get later is that like he forgot to take the safety off Mm -hmm. um but he thinks that maybe there was something, you know, programmed in him to not shoot it or whatever, which is ridiculous because how many freaking Cylons has he shot by now? Like he, like he led the resistance on mm-hmm. New on Cap- um, Caprica, not New Caprica, the original one, even like mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like going pretty much all the way back to the beginning. Like he's been fighting and shooting Cylons, like right, right. So you, I, like you, I can't believe that there's like this sudden like software block mm. preventing him from doing it
2: mm-hmm.
0: um sure it's it's purely psychological like like human psychological or mm-hmm. well, Cylon illogical um so we you know we get the Cylon Raider kind of turning to him and doing its little scan thing and there's a little lip of some kind from Sam's eye that we don't know exactly what but presumably sends some kind of message or identification or something that suddenly causes the Cylons to call off the attack altogether and just pull up and disappear
1: right
2: um, right
1: oh, uh, having like overwhelming numbers and odds like they're about to wipe the he- right the they're already destroying
0: yeah. ships in the fleet and and are right. overwhelming the humans, but this causes them to turn tail and run right. and yeah, I mean that's kind of weird and freaky um, the four the penultimate four don't quite know what it all means, and so they're kind of talking through it, but like. I mean, there's no real good explanation that I can remember that they give. um.
1: No, I mean, I think the closest it comes is Tori's line about maybe something changed, but what it is that changed and why it's not gone. Like, we don't get detail. But I think, like, yes, that is a true statement. Something changed. Like, you know, maybe that's about as much as we can say at this point. But, um Something seems to have, you know, they noticed some difference that changed the Cylon reaction to the situation. Um, Um. And so I guess the other thing, too, is in Sam's identity crisis, he mentions the possibility of what if what if I start shooting my own guys, you know, like what if I start hurting my friends, you know, and I can't. So he's afraid to get in the Viper because that might happen. Um, And then you get Ty's little vision of kind of precisely that, of kind of a sort of a reenactment of boomers snapping in a way, although worse because he like goes for the head. Um, Yeah. Which I think is like a really good, effective moment, Um, especially when you I feel like I've watched the episode a couple of times and forgot that that's coming. And so Mm -hmm. it's just really well done. Of like the way he just pulls it out of nowhere and you know it blows him away, but then the the they don't linger on it too long. It doesn't ever become like a huge fake out. It's just this kind of shock moment.
2: Um, yeah.
1: and you're more just with tie in the fear of that, of that this could happen at any moment, and I would have no way of stopping it. Um.
0: So yeah, so those are the. Penultimate four here, but then we also get a little bit of a conversation between Rosalind and Capricorn Six about the final five, mm-hmm. and um. And so I wasn't thinking about this before, but just I think the juxtaposition of Ty and his vision, and then Rosalind's conversation about like like the you know the whole thing of like if you're trying not to think about something, you're thinking about it, right? Like so. Trying not to think mm-hmm. about the final five means you're thinking about the final five and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, so what does that mean for Ty? Who's like mm-hmm. trying not to like think about these, you know, killing Adama, basically. Like, right. That can't like, happen.
1: That's he's, impossible.
0: Yeah. He's, he's definitely, yeah. Right. Like if you can denial, imagine it, it's
1: not impossible. Yeah.
0: Every denial is, you know, a confirmation that he's like still sort of thinking about it in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
1: no, that's a good point. But yeah, with
0: Roslyn and Caprica 6, I mean, not a long discussion, but Roslyn's basically like, what can you tell me? And Caprica 6 is like, they're close. That's like all I know is, you know, that they're close. And we don't know how close. I mean, well, we know because we watch the show. But like, (laughs) you know, they don't know how close necessarily, but Mm -hmm. they're
2: keeping
1: an eye out, so. Well, and it goes to Adama's line, um, a bit unsubtle, but his line about, well, we're back at the beginning where anyone could be a Cylon, which, like, that's always been true, even through the middle of the show, but I feel like there's a deliberate going back to that season one feel of the Cylons that live among us. Um, Although you kind of pointed out then Apart from Boomer, we didn't know who those Cylons were. Whereas this time, it's that same problem, but we're on the other the other angle and know who the secret Cylons are for the most part. Um, right. So getting to see it more from their perspective, as um, you know, the self aware sleeper agents and everything. Um, sure. Oh, which I did want to point out the change of the intro like, you know, mm-hmm. the text changes, that it's, um, you know, the, the text becomes about the final five of, um, right. uh, t- 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 where is it? I had it a second ago, about 12 silent models, seven are known, four live in secret, one will be revealed. So that becoming the, the state of the final five becoming the kind of like central plot problem. Um
2: yep. All right. Um
0: I don't think I have anything else really to say about this episode, which I think is all right, because we went a little short on
1: yeah, no,
0: Angel I think and, and I think we made up a little bit of time on this and uh Yeah. Uh, yeah, so now we'll be back with um, episode two. I mean, four of DSG next week. Um, and are we back to uh, Buffy? I'm sorry, I don't actually have my. Uh,
1: that's a good uh, question. Let me open up. Hang
0: on, I think here. I think I think we are. I think we're still in the portion where we are alternating weeks, but I think coming up soon we've got.
2: Yes. Um, 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 one
0: or the other shows that that have multiple. Analogs. Uh,
1: it's Buffy next. Uh, with selfless and yeah. um and, and bsG is six of one and then um after that it's two episodes of Angel, so we have a little back to back
2: well then
0: we will uh, be back next week with some more bsg and and some Buffy and uh, yeah sounds good see you then